Cheer up, baby, the podcast, episode 13, Bad Luck. Hello, welcome to Cheer Up, Babe. I'm your host, VJ Julio. This is episode 13, unlucky number 13. I'm pretty sure this is the episode that's going to get me canceled. If you're new here, you're not ready for it, okay? If you're new here, if this is the first episode you're listening to, you don't know what the fuck you're in for, okay? I can't even explain to you what you're in for because you're not inundated. You didn't come along for the ride enough, but I say that you just grip and rip, all right? You're not, you're not ready for it you're not hip to the trip as my dad would say because he's so old but he would always say that when i was a little kid he's like you got it and i was like yeah you hip to my trip and i would just say yeah and i don't have no fucking idea what that means but or the origin story of that phrase but i'm pretty sure it was just my dad being a dad as a you hip to my trip and i know right now you're picturing him in a tucked in polo t-shirt and cargo shorts with white tube socks and velcro sandals giving me a finger gun going you hip to my trip and he didn't wear that all but maybe six times and except for he for sure does finger guns and he for sure says hip to my trip so if you're new here (laughs) hi this is this is a wonky ride i just pounded my bougie ass espresso and i'm just waiting for that to kick in so we can hit the road on all cylinders just pumping away because here's here's the nature of the podcast it is a stream of my thoughts. It is a stream of consciousness. And a lot of times my consciousness stays in one fucking lane like I took Adderall, but I didn't. And a lot of times my consciousness is the same consciousness as my eight-month-old daughter to where whatever's the shiny thing, we're going to talk about that. And I feel like episode 13, unlucky number 13, Friday the 13th, uh skipping floor 13 on hotels. Why do they do that? Is that an actual thing? By the way, I don't know for sure. That if a hotel has over 13 floors, they skip number 13 and they go 12, 14, just out of whatever the fuck that word is. Uh, just uh, not conspiracy. You guys know what I'm saying. Espresso hasn't hit yet. What is that word? It's not. It's superstitious. Is it true that an entire business organization that has floors where you take an elevator, just believed in the superstition of 13 and skipped floor 13? Because I have to ask you guys, because here's the deal. I wasn't raised in a town that had any buildings over three stories. No buildings over three stories in my town slash my area of the state because I'm from Idaho. And we had one story and it had potatoes in it. But if that's true, that's fucking wild. That it's like it's 2021 and they just skipped an entire floor. But this is that episode. Maybe I should just name this episode 14 so I don't get canceled because I'm pretty sure this is unluck- unlucky 13. I'm just waiting to get canceled. You want to know what I'm waiting to get canceled on? Here's the deal. I kicked off this entire podcast, episode one, talking about how if I had a little girl, which I did, I would raise her to be Hitler. And that's just not accurate. I got a message that was like, what do you mean when you say you're going to raise Hitler? And I'm and I didn't mean to say that I was going to raise a, a racist egomaniac that tries to destroy an entire civilization of people. I meant to say that she's just going to have a superiority complex. That's really all I was getting at. 
So if you haven't listened to episode one and you're planning on listening to episode one, when I open the show talking about how I'm going to raise Hitler, I just meant she's going to have a God complex, not be a horrible human being. So I'm glad that I could clarify that 13 episodes later. But yeah, man, lucky number 13, floor 13, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th reminds me of my buddy, uh, Billy from, he's like my childhood best friend. There was like three years there where I was at Billy's house every goddamn day watching Freddy Krueger movies and Jason Voorhees movies and all the old school slashers and I got super inundated and then he took me to my first concert which was Alice Cooper and Alice Cooper was a definitely a wrinkled old bag of bones but it was still super duper exciting and I'd also never listened to any Alice Cooper music before I went to the concert and that was my first concert in life shit was wild I'm pretty sure I was like 12 or 13 but I haven't talked to Billy in like four years and he texted me a couple of weeks ago and he was like, your podcast is ridiculous. I love it. And that was the first thing he said to me in four years. And that's the nicest thing he could have said. I edited, I edited his actual message a little bit because don't want to throw him under the bus, but fucking love that guy. He's one of those friends that he could make me laugh from opening up a Coca-Cola can. Like he's one of those guys that he walks in a room and you go, ha, it's Billy. <laughs> And I fucking love that guy. Dude, okay, espresso is kicking in. I got my bougie-ass espresso machine. When I say I have my bougie, it's mine. It's mine now. Because what happened was I bought my wife the bougiest espresso machine. So what I'm – I have a little bit of a business brain in terms of if we can invest here and save money over time, it's going to have a return on investment. So my wife likes to get coffees every single day, no failure. Every single day without fail, she will drive and get a coffee order and it ranges from 275 to 625 every single day. And so what I did was I was like, okay, you, you had our baby, you had our baby girl and one of your habits that you're forming is that you wake up, uh, get her dressed. And then when she takes her morning nap, you drive and get coffee. So how about I get you your push in present that you wanted? That's right. Hey, Dude, I made a video about a push-in present, and people didn't know what a push-in present was. And you know what it is? It's a present that you buy your wife after she gives birth. And you're like, isn't the kids the push-in present? No, it's not. A push-in present is something that you buy your wife because you're so full of guilt because you watched her push a human being out of her body. And you just stood there. You just watched her push life into the universe and I felt so bad about it. I was like, here's an $800 espresso, espresso machine. Do we break even? No. No, we didn't. But it's about as close as I could come. And then the espresso machine got here. We're getting it dialed in because that's something that you have to do when you buy an espresso machine. You don't just dump Walmart shit in there. So I got the super duper fancy coffee beans. I was really excited to like dial it in for her. And then she had like one shot of it. And she is like, coffee's been making me sick. <laughs> so, so. That was a fun, that was a fun turn of events. And, uh, then, you know, a week later we found out she was pregnant. So that's what that was. And I just made it mine. So I have to get her another push and present. I probably have to get her two push and presents after this pregnancy because the push and present that I originally got her is mine now, because make no mistake, I was not going to let that $800 purchase go to waste. And I make espresso every single morning because I'm a fancy little bitch. Okay, I'm the basicest bitch. Like, oh, did that leaf turn orange? Where's the pumpkin spice? You know, I wear cozy, comfy hoodies regardless of the 
the situation I'm in. I don't wear scarves because my neck is already too non-existent. I don't need to make it disappear anymore. So the more neck I can show, the better. So I definitely don't wear scarves. So I'm not that basic. But I'm a bougie coffee drinking bitch. And I have acquired a taste to where, listen, I became that person. Okay. And I don't even live in Washington or Oregon. I just became that person where people mention Starbucks and I go, ew, I'm that guy now. And do I like it? No. Like if we could go back to last year, me, I'd slap me in the mouth. But now I'm a bougie. I'm a bougie coffee drinker. And I, and I'll tell you one thing. I've gotten to the point where if I shoot a bad shot of espresso, I'll just throw it away. And I hate myself. <laughs> that espresso is kicking in full bore. And listen, when the espresso kicks and the energy rises, I'm Mac Daddy 7000. And dude, I've been Mac Daddy 7000 all week because guess what? Your boy got back into training. And you want to talk about a clear headspace? Also, how fucking douchebag is it to say back into training? I mean, I started working out. <laughs> You're not training for anything. You go into the Olympics for what? I started working out. I got so used to fucking calling working out training that I just say that now. And that's another thing I hate about myself. Welcome to my therapy session. But I worked out multiple times this week. And it's like the first time I've worked out multiple times in a week since Gracie was one month old. And here's the thing. I'm going to get a little introspective because I've had mental clarity up the ass all week. And I just love it. So we're going to talk a little bit about anchors. We're going to talk a little bit about your foundational things that keep you grounded into the ground. And I don't, I could have thought of a different way to say that, but I'm talking fast and I'm on a roll. So for 18 years of my life, I was training. Like I worked out every single day to where like I wrestled for 18 years straight. I wrestled from the time I was five to the time that I was finished with college. And more often than not, there would be two training sessions a day in my life for the majority of those years. If it was demanded by the coaching staff or if we just had a one-day training session, I would work out on my own because that's my addiction. I, I was lucky I didn't have to do – I didn't have to you know, try heroin and then get off of that. I got to just work out a lot. So that was one of my anchors. It always kept my mental clarity nice and focused and fine. And right now you're rolling your eyes. Is this guy really telling us about his workout schedule? Listen, it has a bigger point. It has a bigger picture. Put your fucking seatbelt on and hang on for the ride, all right? So I always knew that if I had, I've, I've talked about this in the past to where like, remember the episode where I talked about I ate my feelings for a day and it was fantastic? Well, what I would normally do when I was handled with such stressful situations is I would go work out. It would release endorphins. It would clear my head. It would clear my thoughts a little bit. And then I would be able to go about my day and focus. Well, Gracie turned a month old. The table was full. My plate runneth over. I'm in the middle of the painting the last supper with my arms up in the air about to get stabbed in the spinal column. And my plate is full of turkey and mashed potatoes and biscuits. My plate runneth over. With too much shit to where I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. My wife needs me at the house as much as possible. I'm also working. So when I'm not working, my only focus should be being home with my family, helping my wife, taking some food off of her plate, adding it to my plate that has already runneth over. And it was just one of those things like I had to cut something out. So I was like, okay, I'm going to stop working out 
for a couple months because I'm me and working out is such an anchor that I'm going to get right back into it. It's going to be no problem. Now, here's what happened. She's eight months old now. So mathematician, I haven't worked out consistently in seven months. And when I say I haven't worked out consistently in seven months, I haven't I have taken more days off in the last seven months of my life than from the time I was five to the time that I finished college. There's been more days off in those seven months than in that entire years and years and years because can't do math, don't remember how old I was when I finished college. But I noticed the slip, okay? It started instilling itself. It started creating itself as a habit of not doing something to where I always thought that I was mentally tough enough that it would be like, bam, whatever, no problem. I'll get right back into it and then boom. And then I got lazy. And how you do one thing is how you do everything. I started slipping everywhere. So my wife has a little bit of anxiety just naturally. And one of the things that was my job was to be her rock to lean on. I'm one of her walls, okay? So the last few months, I was being lazy from training. I'm eating fucking quick trip fast food from a gas station like every single day. And obviously that's flooding my body full of like negative shit, just fog in my mind. To where I'm starting to be lazy physically, so I start being lazy mentally. I'm super... I'm super into parenting, right? Like that's my only focus that I kept up on for the last few months. And I had a come to Jesus moment where I just had to think about who I was being. And I was like, dude, be honest with yourself. You're being a lazy person, something that you're not. You're just being lazy because what you did is you pulled up one of those anchors one of those anchors that kept you grounded and kept you focused on the type of person that you like to be that kind of bled itself into the rest of your life. If you work hard, I'm the person that if you work hard in your physical space, it will bleed over into your mental space and your life space and you will live an overall productive, successful life. That's just my viewpoint. And then everything started crumbling. Everything started slipping and it was all on me because I was being lazy. So I had this come to Jesus moment like, dude, you've been so lazy. You've been so out of character that you're not even yourself lately. You're not even your brain lately. You're allowing yourself to become this person. And I was like, boom, light bulb moment. Like, this is what happens. This is what happens to people when they get older. These responsibilities pile up, right? And they lose track of the things that kept them grounded to who they were. And I'm not talking about growth. Growth comes with the foundational points that you make. So I was like, here's the deal. You're going to not eat fast food or gas station food once. You're also not going to eat sugar once all week. You're just going to clean it all the fuck up, cold turkey this shit. And you're also going to work out multiple days this week. I didn't hit every single day because I had a couple late days of work and obviously dad duty. So there was two days that I didn't work out, but I worked out all the other days. And from the energy I was able to bring home just bright and shiny and bubbly to the attentiveness I was able to give my wife in terms of our relationship to the attentiveness I was giving my daughter in terms of being a dad. I was like, there you are, dude. There you are. You can start being proud of who you are again, because guess what? Here's the ball. It's way up here. You're dropping it lately. And the thing was, is I was in denial about the dropping it. I was like, dude, I'm a great dad. Everything I'm, 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 
I love my family so much. I love my wife and daughter so much that I'm, I'm just a great dad. Everything else is fine. And I'm, and I was in denial of watching the other stuff kind of fall around that. And that's just not how I roll. I'm in my life. I'm the tide for the things that are all around me. I'm the tide. So if I rise, all of the things rise, right? And that sounds super cocky, but that's just how I visualize it in my mind. I don't think of myself as a ship on the ocean, I think of myself as the tide holding up everything in my life, whether that's my relationship, my parenting, my physical space, my relationships with people that are in my life, my overall mood, my energy levels, things that I find important, habits like this podcast here. Like I wasn't, if, if I rise, if I bring the tide up, all of that stuff comes up with it. And I was just not seeing it. I felt it. But I kept pushing that shit down. It's why my triceps have gotten so big. <laughs> I stole that. I stole that joke from Chris Stefano. Except for he talks about pushing the gay down. I was pushing down my feelings, and then I just was like, "Well, you're you. You were raised with a certain tenacity. You were raised with a certain level of discipline. If there's one thing that you have in spades, it's that you can snap into a hardworking mindset quick as shit. And so I did. And this whole week." I did exactly what I wanted to do and I felt the tide rising and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but I am going to mention it on the podcast because if you're one of those people that you feel like things are starting to crumble, you need to be the tide. You need to recenter yourself with the shit that made you feel good. Okay. As long as it's not heroin, I'm saying like the productive stuff in your life that you're letting slip in order to take care of your responsibilities If you are able to pull back from your responsibilities just a little bit and focus on something that's going to raise you up, the other things are going to come along with it. So, babe, if it's been tough, I mean, shit, dude, we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? And we don't talk about the pandemic, but we can mention it. We're in the middle of a pandemic. It's been heavy on everyone. So the crumbling can happen faster. The, the dropping of the ball can happen faster. And we don't want this to be New Year's. Who We don't want that fucking ball to drop. So you need to have a real serious moment with yourself to find what your anchor is. And if your anchor is your relationship or if your anchor is attentiveness to your children, that's great. But you need to have an anchor for yourself individually. And for me, it's working out. Because I'm a not-so-closeted narcissist, it was just kind of built in me from the time I was five, obviously, as I mentioned. But for other people, it can be an artistic outlook, something that just like re-centers you for who you are. Like, say you like painting, paint something. You like throwing pots, throw a fucking pot. Why is it called throwing pot? Oh, yeah, because you throw the clay on the spinning wheel. But regardless, you need to have something for you that will keep your endorphins pumping, keep your energy high. And try to make it something productive. All right, babe. Let's get let's get back into the funnies. All right. I had that moment. I was like, I'm going to share it on episode 13. It's the bad luck episode anyways. But don't lose your individuality with being an adult due to your responsibilities. Be the tide in your life. All right, babe. And I'm moving on. And we're moving on. Here's one thing that I'm not excited about. Probably going to have to fucking download HBO Max. And I know, like, what the fuck's the point of that? The Friends reunion's only going to be on HBO Max. I have Hulu, I have Netflix, and I have Amazon Prime. And I was like, that's it. 
I'm not buying any more things because I might as well just get fucking TV. But I'm not going to get TV because I wasn't born before 1976. I'm just not giving more money to more providers. But then the fucking Friends cast decide that they need to re-up a reunion. By the way, if you ruin it, listen. Hey, Friends cast, I'm talking directly to you. And I know you're listening. If you ruin it, I'm burning your studio down. Okay? And I've noticed that a trend for the things in my threats is uh, has to do with a lot with fire. And I never fi- thought of myself as an arsonist. But it's, you know, we are what we repeatedly do. And I repeatedly say, I'm going to burn it down. So I'm going to burn it down if you ruin the original story. If Matthew Perry isn't actually fucking Chandler, like I'm saying, like if he's not bringing that same fucking Chandler energy from the early 2000s, I'm going to put him in a box. And that just is what it is. Jennifer Aniston literally hasn't aged. Sup, babe? Shoutouts to you. Not flirting with you, but just saying, hey, you're on my list. And Courtney Cox looks like an entirely different person. It's fine. And then uh, Joey looks like my grandpa. And I don't talk about Ross because why? And so, and you might be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you skipping Phoebe? Dude, I would never skip Phoebe. I want to hang out with Phoebe and I want to hang out with Lisa Kudrow. I just want to chill. Okay. I just had this idea right now. I didn't even have this like thought, but we're going to do a Mary fuck kill male cast members, Mary fuck kill female cast members. Here's the deal. I'm fucking Joey. And I know out of the six, you're like, whoa, <laughs> you couldn't have started with Jen Ann. Well, let's be real. Joey knows how to fuck. So, <laughs> so we're going to fuck Joey. And then um, definitely Mary and Chandler because marry someone who can make you laugh. Do what my wife did. She definitely didn't go to the looks department. She decided to pick personality and here we are. So that's worked out for us. I think it'll work out for me and Chandler. And then I'm just killing Ross so that, and then right before I stab him in his heart, Dexter style while he's wrapped in cellophane, he goes, why? And I go, that's it. Got it. So, and then Mary fuck kill the ladies. I mean, I'm marrying Jennifer Aniston because I think my wife would be down for that too. You know, like we could do, we could, we could do a little bit fundamental Mormonism and just polyamory that shit right into a happy marriage. So I think that we could, I think I could get the wifey on board with that one. Probably not speaking out of my ass. And then I'm going to, I'm killing Courtney. I'm killing Courtney Cox. And I just spaced out on her name. And I'm killing Monica. I'm stabbing her because the level of OCD that she brings to the table, I don't need that in my life in any fashion. I know she had that dirty, messy closet full of secrets where it was like, oh my God, you're actually a pig because we had to show a little bit of reality to you uh, in like season six. But bye. And then Lisa Kudrow, you know where that leaves you, babe. How you doing? Is this the segment that gets me canceled? Probably not. Probably not. But I'm just waiting on it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a party. Here's what it's going to do. It's going to bring eyes. It's going to bring eyes to the podcast. Like, yo, we're trying to cancel this guy for this. And I don't know what it is. It's probably going to be a Hitler comment. But I didn't mean it in the context that you think I did. But I'm so excited for the point where the podcast gets to the point where I start getting, like, haters. Because that means I made it. That means I blew up. 
like our numbers consistently rise every single week because you're cubs but i haven't got to the point where people message me how much they don't like the podcast yet and i'm just biting at the bit for that point in time because what's that howard stern thing like howard stern gets like millions of listeners a week right but then they did the the actual stats on it people that love howard stern listen to howard stern for like an hour a day but the people that hate him reportedly like constantly neg him and stuff listen to his show for two hours a day and money is money so let's get all eyes i've been trying to think of like hey what controversy that can i stir up that doesn't put my family in harm's way to where i could just draw more eyes to the podcast should I be one of the Paul brothers and just say the most dick, disrespectful shit to a, a random celebrity? Because that's not in me. I can't be that guy. I got to think of a different controversy. But here's the other thing. I don't have big stands on things. Like I can't take a political stance because guess what? I'm a human being and I see two sides to every story. I'm a human being and I think that the fucking ultimate left is psychotic and the ultimate right is psychotic. I think if you are not somewhere in the gray zone, you're old. you're fucking Tim Diddley trickeried. Okay? You got you got fooled. You bought in too much to one side and I just can't take a stance on either way. And that goes all the way down the line. So it's like what controversy can I start up that's going to fucking Get the podcast to explode. I think I think I need to find a way to kickbox Joe Rogan. I think that just has to be what it is. I think I have to find a way to make Joe Rogan break my ribs because he 110% would because only a wrestler, only a wrestler. I've been in a handful of fist fights against people who can't fight, and I've never practiced boxing and or kicking. I only know how to wrestle, and that's great Like in normal life. That that lends you to a certain amount of confidence and defense in the real world. But if you come across a person who's been training how to kick your fucking knee out of place since the time they were five, I'm probably going to lose that battle. Unless I can get my hands on you, I'm going to lose that battle. Every fist fight I've ever gotten in has been, I get punched in the face once and then I take them down and beat them until their friends pull me off. Every single fist fight I've ever gotten into. And that goes all the way back to middle school Cody Chapman. Hey... (laughs) (laughs) using real names dude i so when i was younger not even middle school this was intermediate school this was my first fight i ever got into now your boy was not always scrappy okay i've been wrestling since i was five but i was not a confrontational type of human being and also wore glasses that looked like the bottom of coke bottles Okay, literally legally blind. I'm the guy that when I was 18 and the Marines recruiter or whatever the fuck would just come sit in your commons area in the school and be like, hey, you got five years to give us. I was like, "Um, I have 7.5 vision in both eyes. I'm literally like a point and a half away from being legally blind and not being able to drive a car. And they're like, you're out. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, your shoulders are big. We would love to use you, but no, you're out. I was like, I can carry I can carry a lot of stuff, but I don't know how far I would see down the sights on a gun. And they're like, that's pretty much the only thing that you would have to do. And I'm like, yeah, I know I'm not intelligent enough to be on the computers, so sorry. And they're like, 
still got big shoulders. And I was like, thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. That was our recruiter. And he wanted your boy bad until he found out that I was plus 7.5. But I wore Coke bottle glasses. We were, dude, we were out, we were out on the uh, playground, right? Playground. Fucking, it was a recess. We were outside the buildings. And I was standing in a circle with some of my friends. I think it was like Ty Colton was there and Archie Underwood was there. I mentioned them earlier in a podcast. And I think Travis Williams was there. But I don't remember. We were just standing in a circle. It was just like the group of guys that I was like always just kind of around. And this dude, Cody, comes up to us. And he's just kind of loitering about five feet away from our little circle. We're standing against the wall. And he is just kind of there. He's not looking at us. He's kind of looking at the ground. And we were kind of side-eyeing him. We Like, dude, it's a small town. It's not like there were thousands of students. There was like 90 kids in our grade. So we'd all gone to school together for our entire lives. Everyone knew everyone. That was another thing. It wasn't super clicky just because it was like, there's 90 of us. Let's just all be chill. And this kid just starts spitting on the ground and it's kind of catching our attention, but whatever, we're not paying him really any mind. And it's like, Hey, what are you doing? And he's spitting and he's getting closer to us. And I kind of turn and turn my body towards him a little bit. Like he has gotten all of our attention and we kind of turn and face him and he's just spitting and I'm not kidding. And listen, this kid is intelligent. He doesn't have mental issues or he's a normal dude. I just didn't know what he was doing. And he's just like spitting on the ground. Like every five seconds, he's just spitting on the ground around our circle. And I go, hey, and he spit on my leg. So I spit in his face, which is, wow, really aggressive move. Really aggressive move from a kid in fifth grade who's never gotten in a fight before, who wears glasses that are thicker than your current cell phone that you're holding. So I spit in his face when he spit on me. And then he grabbed my glasses and threw them against the wall. And it was on and popping. No one has ever gotten me to blind rage before. And he did it for the first time in the fifth grade. Uh, How old are you in the fifth grade? Let's see, you're 15 when you're a freshman, which is the ninth grade. So four years before that, I was 11, 11 or 12, whatever. And I just bull rushed him, took him down, and I started raining bombs down on him as many as I can and then my friends grabbed me and pulled me off of him and as they were pulling me off of him I kicked him in the face and then the next day he said he won the fight and everyone was like yeah we saw it so but as they're pulling me off right I find my glasses I put them on literally I could have been punching Archie Underwood in the fucking mouth I could have been as far as I know once the glasses are off hey everyone clear the area Because I could have been just, I was going for whatever blurry blob was in front of me. And that's just what I did. Luckily, it was him. So the entire ordeal lasted maybe 20 seconds. It wasn't a long thing. And I'm getting drug off. And I remember this one moment. We had a science teacher who nobody liked. And I'd say nobody liked, he was just a hard ass. Like I like him fine now that I'm older. And as I got older and had a few different conversations with him, I was like, oh, he's just a grown ass man. But when you're teaching 11 year olds, it's like, why don't you calm down a little bit? Maybe don't yell at us so much. But there was a science teacher. I didn't, I don't want to say his name, but 
I put my glasses on and I'm sitting there and Cody's kind of pulling himself off the ground and the science teacher is staring at me outside of the doors of the building and him and I make eye contact and I was like, okay, I'm about to get in deep, deep shit and I'm staring at him for about five seconds and he nods and he walks back into the building and I was like, oh, you're the fucking coolest. And I told my mom about that last year and she was like, he never told me that because she was a teacher. She's a teacher at that school too. I was raised by two teachers. Fun fact. And I know right now you're thinking, what went wrong? I don't know. But he nodded and he walked back into the room and I was like, or he walked back into the building and I was like, hell yeah, that's that shit right there. And I felt on cloud nine for the next week. And I thought about that the other day and I was like, it's wild to think that I was raised in a town where like literally there were, I think there was like 97, maybe 105, give or take in my graduating class. And I knew almost all of them from the time we started kindergarten. It's just crazy to think. And then you graduate and you leave and I haven't talked to or thought about them since. And every now and then little memories pop back into my brain. And that was one of them. And I hope that he is doing great. I hope he's doing great. Dude, seriously, there's so many there's so many kids that I grew up with because of that whole like okay, I'm going to talk I'm I'll tell you my favorite one. Okay. Except for I'm going to change his name cuz I'm going to tell you multiple stories and there are they don't paint him in a great light because he didn't paint himself in a great light, but there are so many good fucking stories about this kid and it's not the kid I got in a fight with. He he grew up. He's fine. He's fine. I don't know where this current kid is, but for the sake of the story, I'm going to try and think of an easy name to call him because I'm probably going to say his name a lot and I don't want to slip up. Um, we're going to call, we're going to call him Brian. Okay. Now, Brian and I actually, we're not going to call him Brian because that's an old best friend of mine. So we're going to call him Articuno. So Articuno and I, we went to daycare together we went to renee's daycare together okay and renee is a real name and that's where we went to daycare and i have vivid memories of that place in terms of there was a tire that was half buried in the backyard that i was always that i would always play on and she would always homemade her own bread to make homemade pizzas and it tasted like the inside of a camel's asshole so i have those memories and also there was a girl that was my age that was her daughter and her name was Haley, and I just remember that daycare so vividly. So Articuno and I, not Articuno and I, Articuno was the kid that would, uh, during nap time, shit and then roll his shit into balls. So that's Articuno, okay? From the, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, what, four years old, three years old when I'm going to this daycare? And uh, I, when I was a little kid, I would always, like go to I, dad would always pick me up and then I would be like dad you know Articuno Articuno who poops his pants and then and it made my dad laugh so hard and it was like one of the first times that I ever made someone that I ever made my dad laugh really really hard and I was like I like that feeling so every single time I talked about Articuno I was like dad you know Articuno Articuno who poops his pants and I do that to this day you want to talk about beating a joke 
like a dead horse or whatever the fuck that phrase is. I say that and I, it's 25 years later. I say, Dad, Articuno, Articuno who poops his pants. And he fucking laughs still 25 years later. But Articuno was a wild kid. So he would do the little roll his shit thing. And that just lodged in my brain. Now, Articuno and I were in the same grade. And we also graduated the same year. So we went to school every year, period. We were start to finish. Articuno is a smaller kid. And I mean like one of the smallest kids in the town. And... There's multiple stories about Articuno through the years. Let's start at the beginning. Not the shit. Not the rolling the shit into balls. But Articuno, there was a time in middle school. I was in the sixth grade. And this Articuno kid was just a wild boy. Like, I don't know. I don't know what he was doing, like what was going on in his brain. But he was definitely one of those like attention seeking kids. And I'm not saying that in a negative fashion, so to speak. I just think... He just had a lot of wiring. Okay. So I went into the bathroom. I left class. I went to the bathroom. I'm at the urinal peeing. And as I'm peeing at the urinal, I hear sounds coming from the fucking ceiling. And the ceiling is made out of those like plaster lay in pieces, you know, where it's like, so the electricians and shit have access to everything that's in the ceiling, right? So it's just like the plaster squares. All of all, that's what the ceiling is made out of. And I hear fucking sounds coming from there. And I was like, that sounds like an animal or something, whatever. Got my dick in my hand. Don't have time to think about it. And then kaboom, kaboosh, the fucking ceiling falls four feet behind me. Like the, like four of those fucking plaster pieces crash down to the ground behind me, dick in my hand. And I turn. And it's Articuno laying in dust like he just escaped a fucking scene on Scarface covered in white powder. And he's laying there and I like I'm looking over my shoulder and I, you know, tuck it in, zip it up. And I'm like, you good? And he's like, yep. And he popped up to his feet quick. I don't know if he was made out of rubber or what, but he fell fucking 15 feet and then just stood up in a panic. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen someone eat fucking shit and then jump up to their feet fast as hell because they're embarrassed? It was that type of thing. He crashes through the ceiling and then realizes I'm standing there and pops to his feet like nothing happened. (laughs) And I was like, you good? And he's like, yep. And then Mrs. Gortzema walked in, real name. Mrs. Gortzema comes running into the boy's bathroom and I'm standing there over Articuno And all the ceiling tiles have fell. And I said, no. And she was like, what is going on? And I was like, nope, no. I was paying. I'm going back to class. And obviously, I'm clean as a whistle. I don't look like I just face fucked an entire pile of cocaine. Except Articuno does. So she just let me go back to class. Don't know what happened to Articuno at that time. Probably just got detention because small town rules were a construct. So... The next year, I'm in art class, and there's this teacher named Mrs. Hassenflug, and she was a little bit of a, nope, you know what, we're going to do a Goosebumps create your own story game, and you're just going to fill in that space on your own. So Mrs. Gortzema 
was a teacher in the school. She was the music teacher. And I don't know if you want to Mad Lib this podcast, but fill in your own descriptive word. And you're probably close. So, Mrs. Gort, I'm in art class, and all of us hear Mrs. Gortzema running down the hallway screaming bloody murder at the top of her lungs. This is the next year from the falling through the ceiling from Articuno. And this... And she's like, fire, fire, screaming. Now, I am a curious cat, and I don't run away from things like that. So all of us kids are like, well, there's a fire. I didn't hear a fire alarm, but I 100% heard Mrs. Hassenfluke. And I might have said Mrs. Gortzma, but it's Mrs. Hassenfluke. And also, last name is Hassenfluke. It definitely sounds like Hassenflute. And she was a music teacher, and that's not the nickname we called her. But as I got older, and we all got kind of old, as we all kind of got older and everything, I, I she ended up being a super nice person. But while you were there, eh, no. So it was art. The entire art class leaves, right? Like, okay, time to leave the building because the fire alarm's not going. But the fire alarm called Mrs. Hassenflug was definitely going, and she's screaming fire. And the way that our middle school was laid out. There was like a center area where our library was and everything was kind of open. You know, there were big, huge doorways, not even doorways. They were just like cutouts of the wall. So that's the center of our building. And there was a hallway that went all the way around. So think of it like a square. Okay. Big square around the entire library. And then there was little hallway cutoffs of that. So picture like a square and then two lines going off of each side of the square. That's how our school was set up. She's running laps in that square, screaming fire. It's like, hey, pull a fire alarm, you know? <laughs> but she's screaming fire, bloody murder. I get curious cat, okay? And I got to walk over to where the supposed fire was coming from. And there's a locker. Now we had those old school metal lockers that everyone had. They were in every single hallway and they were just a fucking aluminum locker, an entire wall of them. And there's the littlest piece of smoke trickling out of the vents in one of the lockers. There wasn't enough smoke to create smoke in the hallway. It was kind of like an air diffuser was coming out of the vents of the locker. So to scream bloody murder and run six laps, a little bit over the top. But the locker got opened and there was a, a stack of those manila envelopes, you know, those like folders and they come in a white cardboard box. One of those was lit on fire and placed into the locker to try and create a fire in the school. But here's the deal. You set a cardboard blocks box that's coated in plastic or wax or whatever the fuck the outer cardboard box is dipped in into an aluminum box. You lit that on fire and you set it into an aluminum casing and it's not going to burn anywhere. Also, the entire building's made out of brick. So d- <laughs> not a, just not a good game plan. Okay, just not a good game plan. And so, so our history teacher slash assistant wrestling coach to my father, Matt Schwanevelt, shout out to you, Schwanny, miss you, buddy. Just, I think he just kind of pulled the envelopes out of the locker, like didn't even get water because just a little corner was burning. <laughs> he just kind of pulled them out of the locker and then walked them over to the 
drinking fountain. And that was the end of the fire disaster of of 2007. But turns out it was good old Articuno again. Because that kid is a fucking psychopath. So Articuno climbs around in the ceilings like a raccoon. And then he tries to light the school on fire starting at an aluminum locker. So he did those two things. And then, you know, those are really the two good stories I have on him. But there was a time in high school where he pulled a knife on me. And I say that and that sounds kind of aggressive. But you got to remember, he's the smallest kid in the town. He was probably 85 pounds soaking wet. I was walking from school. School had just gotten out. I got to walk down to wrestling practice. And our athletic wing is kind of separate. So you have to, like, walk through the commons area, and then you enter a new wing, and that's pretty much all the athletic area. And outside the girls' locker room, him and his friends are standing there, and I think he mumbled something under his breath about wrestling. You know the classics, like going to roll around with guys, going to get sweaty with dudes, just the classic bullshit where it's like, that's a good one. But I wasn't having it this day, so I I heard a muttering like, you're going to roll, yeah, heading off to roll around with sweaty dudes, and I was like, yeah? Is that what you wanted to say, Articuno? And he pulled a knife out of his pocket. Now, your boy reacts fast, okay? And it's one of those beautiful things where you don't know how you're going to react in this situation until it happens, and I reacted well, I would say. He pulled a, a pocket knife out of his pocket and unsheathed the blade. And he's 85 pounds soaking wet, and your boy weighed 189, so I just grabbed him by the wrist, lifted him up off the ground, took the knife out of his hand, Folded it up, put it in my pocket, and just walked down to class. Or, and then just walked down to practice. And the thing is, is our my dad was the wrestling coach, so I always go to his office. So I just handed him a pocket knife, and I was like, Dad, you know Articuno? Articuno who poops his pants? <laughs>, Laughs from dad, and he goes, yeah. I was like, he just pulled that on me. You can keep that if you want. <laughs> this kid's fucking wild. Honestly, I wouldn't trade being raised in a small town for anything. Like the the type of the type of experiences you get in a small town. Sure, it's like kind of boring, right? There's not a lot of stuff to do around the town, but you figure out things to do around the town and you just become like an outdoors kid. Like we're in the town where there was one stoplight, right? There's you want to you want to hang out with your friends. You get a text from your friends at nine o'clock. You want to go drive around, and then you just drive around. You buy chicken strips from K- the Ken's grocery store, and you just drive around. Your buddy teaches you how to drive stick in his silver Eclipse. Shout out to Devin, which makes me sick to call you Devin. We only call each other brother, and that's just what you do. Is it Christmas Eve? Are you going to get in a car with? Your three friends, Ashley and Amanda, and I think it was Taylor. It also could have been Brittany. I can't remember who was with me. And just drive around on Christmas and yell to people that are just walking around the town, Merry Ho Ho, because you're psychotic and bored. Yeah, dude. I wouldn't I wouldn't have traded being raised in a small town for anything. But it was definitely one of those things where when you graduated, there's nothing for you there. It's time to move on. But I love it. I always hang my hat on being raised there. American Falls, Idaho, by the way. Shoutouts. I'm not going to hide the name of that. I'm proud to be raised there. American Falls, Idaho. God damn. I love doing this podcast so fucking <laughs> I love doing this shit. Just sitting down and talking and telling old stories and trying to be silly. Dude, it's so fucking fun. 
And when I'm clear-headed Mac Daddy past Master Pump, when I'm clear-headed Mac Daddy been working out, Mac Daddy training douchebag, I feel so fucking good. Now, granted, my spine definitely feels like it's going to snap out of my back into the chair that I'm sitting in because I'm sore. I'm sore. When you train almost every... Uh, stop saying train. Vincent. Stop saying train. My wife calls me Vincent when she's trying to get my attention, and that's something that my parents didn't even do. My parents never called me Vincent. When I was in trouble, I just got VJ louder, you know? Like, they just yelled VJ louder. And now I'm married, and my wife, when she's trying to make a point, or she's trying to be stern, or she's trying to get my attention, she goes, Vincent! And you're not my mom, so don't say that. But now, it's inundated to the self inundated itself into my brain to where when I have to yell at myself I go Vincent and now that's just my life but my fucking back is so sore my hamstrings are the tightest they've ever been stairs are a nightmare and if you think that it doesn't take me over 45 seconds to sit down on the toilet and take a shit right now you're sadly mistaken and here's the deal. My wife's a little thing. She got tiny hands. She's 5'3", five, 5'4", five, on a good day. She does, she, she's also pregnant. She can't give me back massages. She can't mas- I When I was a college athlete, when I was wrestling in the NCAA, she wouldn't give me back massages because my hand, her hands got tired. And every single aspect of my wife is perfect. She is the perfect woman for me. I love everything about her, except if it comes to body work, if I need to get some muscles rubbed out, I 110% should have hooked up with a 6'7", 285-pound German woman named Helga who just fucking got into those tissues, who just got in there and broke it apart. I want your, I want to feel your elbow past my spine touching the inside of my ribs from the back i want you to get in there and i've only i've only ever gotten two professional massages in my life the first one was great it was a deep tissue massage and the last one i got was also great not because dude the last massage i got it was this year and it's like four months ago it was from one of the sweetest human beings on the planet she has like She's like a super hippie dippy woman and she's had her bouts with men and she's a single mother and she has like hippie tattoos. You know, she's just that whole like light, positive, energetic vibe. And her name is also something it's not her name's not light or aura, but it's close enough to that. Okay, she's one of those like she has like white face dotted tattoos above her eyebrows like she's just a whole vibe right her entire existence just says relax and so I, I went in to get a massage from her because Jordan bought me a massage there and I turned into a therapist for my masseuse and it was so fucking interesting of an experience because she's she's like massaging me and like giving me body work and stuff right and we're just talking about men and her past and her ex. I, I don't even know if they were married, but her baby daddy and shit. And we're just, I'm just breaking it down to her. Like, listen, like, here's, 
here's certain things about guys, you know, you can't blame yourself for this type of thing happening. I legitimate, legitimately turned into a therapist for the entire hour that I got a massage. And I, and I went home and Jordan was like, how was it? And I was like, good. My body feels the same. And she was like, what? And I was like, no, I was a, I was a therapist for the, for the whole time. And I didn't say it in a negative way. It just, it was one of those things where my wife got me a, a massage coupon. I went to get a massage, my second massage in my entire life, and it wasn't for me. And that was really cool. That was really cool. Like, I def it was definitely one of those things, like, I laid down on that massage table, and she needed me to be there. And I felt really, really good when I left that situation. She was like, I'm really glad that I got to talk because you helped me out with a lot of the stuff that's going on in my brain that has to do with men. And I'm like, yeah. That's super rad. And it's one of those things like, dude, life throws shit at you that you got to take the opportunities. You got to take the opportunities to be a good person and make a difference because you never know. You never know the day that it's going to stumble into that. You never know the day that that's going to happen. And that was one of those days. And that's just a random tidbit. Dude, I feel so emotionally open to you right now, Cubs. Babe, I feel so good. I mean, we're talking about anchors. We're telling funny stories about Articuno. I said I want to have sex with Joey, and I kind of implied that I was going to be a bottom. I didn't intend for that to happen, but I just feel good, babe. Glad you guys are listening to this podcast. I hope you're having a fun time. You know what we're going to do? We're going to take a quick ad break, and then after that, it's time for some unqualified dad advice. First sponsor we're going to talk about today is a good one. It's Chill Wellness. It's a CBD company, full spectrum CBD. Now, I'm not going to get too much into the actual products because the products speak for themselves. They're sincerely great CBD products. They're great for muscle soreness, your central nervous system calming down. It's just a great thing that I take every single day in order to keep me a little bit more even keel, a little bit more calm. And they also have muscle rubs and stuff like that that I'm definitely going to start using now that I'm Mac Daddy 3000 working out all the time. But one thing I really wanted to tell you about them that really sets them apart from the competition, because let's be real, the pool of competition in CBD companies, it's like a trend popped off, right? And you start running into these products and companies that are just trying to get a fast buck and cash a check in. So they're making the cheapest products available that don't do a damn thing. They don't help in any sense of the word. Now, this company started with the foundation. The founder, his daughter, was diagnosed with adolescent arthritis. So his daughter got to the point where the arthritis pain that she was feeling in her body was not allowing her to stand anymore, and she's a baby. So the founder went the normal medical route, tried to do all these things, and there were some certain things that helped, but the side effects were almost worse, like the sicknesses and the uncomfortability. And it was like he started looking for ways to help his daughter, and he got connected with the best scientists and the best doctors to put together a product that would actually help his daughter. And that was actually the first foundational product of the Chill Wellness Company. It's called Aspen Salve. Now, his daughter's name was Aspen, and this salve that was made out of the full-spectrum CBD as well as a bunch of different herbs and nutrients that go into this salve was the only thing that caused a huge significant difference with no side effects. It, he wasn't going into this with the plan of starting a company, but after seeing the effects that this had on his daughter, he wanted to share it. 
So he started Chill Wellness with this as the foundational product, this thing that literally saved his daughter's childhood and her life. They have the muscle rubs, they have the nighttime essential oil relaxers. It's just everything. Everything's great. But the thing I love most about this company is they started off on the right foot, not trying to make a buck. They were literally trying to help people that are stuck in this situation with arthritis and it just helps with everything it helps it helps me with my back pain from my 18 years of wrestling my knee pain from my surgeries it helps with all of it if you guys want to try some of that out go to chillwellness.com uh i'll have the link in the show notes down below it's also in the link in my bio on instagram and if you go there you use that link and then you enter promo code VJJulio15 at checkout. You'll get 15% off your entire cart. That's VJGIULIO15. As the promo code at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire cart. And I hope that it helps you out as much as it helps me because I use every single product. And it's, it's good stuff. All right, baby gorgeous. So we're back. Thank you for listening. If you did to those ads it helps out the podcast also if you want to help out the podcast go ahead and leave a review and uh, tell your friends tell your friends if you want your friends to know that you have mental problems tell them you listen to this podcast and bring them along for the ride if you think that they can hang if you think that they got the chops to listen to cheer up babe tell them about it but this is going to be the unqualified dad advice segment we do this at the end of every episode and it's super duper fun i'll give you a quick rundown i go to reddit and I go to the advice column in Reddit. And then I scroll randomly and I stop at a random post. I read the title and I make an entire judgment call based off of that title. I try to give advice on that. And then we read the actual body of it and see if we can actually help these people out or if I nailed it fucking right on the hammer on the head right off the bat. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes this gets dark. Sometimes this gets aggressive. Sometimes this. Most of the time, it's just for fun. And most of the times, I'm going to roast the motherfucking living shit out of you. So definitely a good time. So I'm here. I'm on Reddit right now. We're going to scroll, 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 scroll. I'm doing it on the computer. So if you hear weird little mouse things in the background, that's fine. Scroll, 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 scroll. Stop. Should I join the U.S. military? 14 male. Well, not right now. (laughs) You're 14. Should I join the U.S. military? Listen. This, I I mean, one thing that you know for sure if you join the military is that your prime right out of high school years of life are are gone. Like, like there's no freedom in it. You sign up, you're in. There, unless you want to illegally leave or get shot to leave, like you're in, and it takes away that autonomy and that freedom of your early twenties, essentially. And if that's something that you're willing to sacrifice in order to serve your country. Fuck yeah. Get that shit done. But also you're 14. Why don't you make, why don't you ask this question when you're 17? Why don't you ask this question in three years? You're not even in high school yet. You might be asking this question because you, uh, don't have an idea on what you want to do after you get out of school. And it's cause you're not even fucking in school yet. You're in middle school. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. Go through high school first and stop looking so fucking far ahead in the future. I'm 14, should I join the military? Hey, why don't you join freshman year of high school first? Okay? And that's from Meowfish. Also, if your name is Meowfish and you're posting on Reddit, don't join the military. <laughs> Alright, I'm just kidding. But let's let's open this and see what the body says. So, Meowfish, let me preface this by saying that I'm 14. But the fact that you accurately use the word preface... 
is pretty fucking impressive. Okay, let me preface this by saying that I'm 14. There are still several years left before I even have the option, and I'll probably forget about this post by then, but it's on my mind, so I may as well ask. Whenever... Dude, the vernacular that you're using, the language of writing is making me feel insecure about my own abilities. Okay. Whenever I think about my future since once I'm 18, I feel like I'm definitely going to drown in the responsibility once I get there. I'm currently overweight, but I'm working on that and slowly getting stronger. I just feel like once I'm there, the military may be the easiest option to get going, get stronger, and be able to survive in this world. Plus, I don't feel like I have the talent to take any other path. Dude, you... Okay, first of all, you're 14. There's not a talent that you have that has been unlocked and shown itself to you yet. That's just a fun little fact. The people that are really, really good at stuff when they're 14 are really, really good at different shit when they're 18. So, slow down for a second, Meowfish. Dude, your brain is so intelligent and self-analyzing that you're good, dude. Like, if you want to join the military when you're 18, you would be an asset, obviously. And I would hope that you wouldn't be like a frontline gunner. I would hope that you would be able to use your intelligence to push yourself into a different venue. But I feel like you would be a huge asset. But this idea of doing it in order to fix your body and you don't know what to do like you feel like, dude, the fact I'm, I feel like I'm definitely going to drown in the responsibility once I get there. Your vocabulary is outstanding in terms of your style of writing. So kudos to you. I will say, unless you have an incessant desire to serve your country, an incessant need inside you to serve your country and sacrifice multiple years of your life in the military, I would say to try to find a different route. And uh, because once you're in, you're in. And all you're essentially doing is signing up for a job. Now, granted, it's an extremely respectable job, an extremely respectable thing. And don't listen to the political agendas of other people to try and convince you one way or the other. I'm talking about you as a person. Who gives a fuck who's our president at that time? Who gives a fuck if, like, you know, what war is going on, where we are politically, overseas, all that kind of shit? Just make this decision for you. And if the only poll to hear is that you think that it's going to help with your physicality and your body image and it'll help take responsibilities off the plate for you, I would not make that jump because of that. We need burning desire soldiers. We need soldiers that the only thing they want to do is go to battle for their country and be fucking animals, right? Now, if you're 18 and that's inside you, absolutely join the military, man. If if that's your path, your choice but if your only thing is you're afraid of the responsibility of being an adult you don't know what you want to do right now yeah you're 14 of course you don't and you're and you have some body image issues dude you have four years <laughs> the amount of changes that your body is going to go through in the next four years you're probably going to be with this mindset of like i'm working towards not being overweight and i'm slowly getting stronger this mindset at 14 is going to elicit an insane response when that testosterone and shit pumps into your system. You're going to be fine, bud. You're probably going to be a brick fucking shithouse that scares me when you're 18, okay? So take it slow. Don't think about the military yet. Take it day by day. Why don't you focus on freshman year of high school first? Enjoy high school. Make the decision when you're 18. All right, buddy? Slow down.
You're going to have a great time. All right, next one. A scroll. A stop. Am I the bitch for removing another person's laundry from the dryer after waiting for like an hour after it was done? <laughs> Nerdy Gamer 1999. Hey, what's up? You're 22 and you removed a person's laundry from the dryer because you live in an apartment complex for sure. And it's a shared floor washer and dryer. Been there? No, you fucking aren't. No, you aren't even remotely a little bit at all. The people that leave their fucking clothes in the dryer or the washer for longer than three minutes after that fucking timer hits bing, those people belong in a box. Put those people in a box. That happens so often. Jordan and I literally started from the bottom. Now we're here. So I have been there on multiple occasions and if you don't think that i gave those people literally a minute and a half after the first check before i went back out i would literally walk out check the dryer oh it's full or check the washer oh yeah dude yeah dude i was that guy i took clothes out of the washer soaking ass wet and piled that shit on the dryer because i don't have fucking time i might have one day in the week to do my laundry and i'm not gonna let it it held up because you're jacking off drinking Mountain Dew playing fucking Call of Duty literally eight feet away from the fucking dryer. Get your ass up and change over your clothes. So Nerdy Gamer 1999, not even remotely, not even a little bit. I would say you didn't go an hour, an hour. I would have put those fucking clothes in the goddamn dumpster and lit them on fire. Let's read the actual post. I've Probably. So I live in a building complex with a common laundry room downstairs. Yep. I have had this situation before where my clothes were removed from the washer by someone else after they were done. Oh, so you're one of the culprits as well, nerdy gamer 1999. I understand that this it's COVID and I'm usually the one that avoids touching people's clothes. Oh, give me a fucking break on that shit. Oh, because it's a pandemic. These dipshits are exempt from common courtesy of fucking get in a box. Avoid touching people's clothes. But this time, I kind of lost my patience. One of the drying machines doesn't work, so I have only one dryer for three loads. I live on the third floor and yet waited for an hour for the other person to take their stuff out of the dryer. When I returned after an hour to dry the remaining two loads, (laughs) the other dryer still had their clothes in it. I don't think it was reasonable for the other person to expect people to wait for an hour For them to take their clothes, so I took out their clothes and kept it on top of the machine. I hate getting into unnecessary drama, but I don't think I'm being unreasonable here. Uh, Was I wrong? Not even remotely, NerdyGamer1999. Why'd you ask on Reddit? (laughs) Yeah, I'm a firm believer of the minute and a half rule for clothes in community space washer and dryers, and for food on the floor. So get it the fuck out of here, okay? That's all the fucking advice you need on that one. Next, scroll, stop, feeling sad about my purchase. If it's an animal, I swear to fucking God, deluxe, deluxe cat, Dude, Reddit people are fucking ridiculous. Reddit people are the taint of the world. Reddit people, the people that literally go to Reddit and post on Reddit and upvote and downvote shit are the hairs that grow out of the taint of the universe. Okay, 
And I mean that from the bottom of my heart, and I mean that with all the love in the world. So, Deluxe Cat 1, feeling sad about my purchase. I mean, you got a little bit of, not FOMO, that's fear of missing out. What's it called? Just buyer's remorse? I think there's a word for that, but I can't think of it. My wife gets this shit all the time. But just, if you made the, just fucking, just live with it. Or return it. This isn't a Reddit post. This isn't a post. This isn't a question. You're feeling bad about your, or feeling sad about your purchase? Give it back. End of the story. But it's not returnable. Then move. First world problem. Deal with it. What the fuck? Let's read the body. I bought a 2020 iPad Pro 12.9. So fucking douchey to say 12.9 just say you bought an ipad pro just say that i brought a 2020 ipad pro 12.9 and before receiving it i was really excited and i was watching all types of videos about it and just pretty much thinking about it all day but now that i have it i feel like there is nothing for me to do on it i find it really heavy and big so i just set it aside and use my phone instead i really wanted to love this ipad i want to return it but i start school in september and maybe then i'd have a use for it but I don't know. Frowny face emoticon. Eh. I only have until mid-June to return it. I just feel bad about the price and me not using it enough to justify it. I mean, unless you're setting it up on a stand and watching porn, I would just give it back. Who's going to use an iPad Pro for school? Get a computer like a fucking adult. Get a computer like a grown human being with a keyboard. You know how fucking awkward it's going to be to like hold an iPad and try to like take notes or type things? Have you ever tried to text on an iPad? Like if you're holding it up from both sides with both of your hands and you're trying to move your thumbs all the way to the center of the fucking Return it. What a dumbass purchase. What a dumbass question. Go do something else. Hey, go outside. Scroll. Scroll. Stop. Is this normal? Should I say something? It's not. Absolutely say something. Summer Rainer. Summer Rainer posted one hour ago. Summer Rainer said, Is this normal? Should I say something? It's so fucking not normal. You better say something right now. <laughs> what is it? She's a 27 year old female. She says, Oh, such a long post. If it's this. I don't feel like reading a novel, Summer Rainer. I might not be able to get into this, but let's read the first paragraph and see what's going on. My job requires that I go to several different local hospitals, but I'm not an actual employee of those hospitals and work for a separate agency. Lately, at one hospital, this guy, employee of said hospital, has been acting a little creepy. Ooh, okay. I think I'm in. I think I'm in. He does things like telling me to remove my mask and smile at him. And then says it makes his day to see my smile and calls me beautiful slash pretty slash etc. When I recently said when I recently said I was switching my work schedule because my husband wanted to spend more time with me, he said my husband is lucky and he would want to spend more time with me too. He said I have a sparkling personality and it makes his day when I work at that hospital. Last time I was there, he hugged me and then was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I just forced a hug on you." Mm, broke physical contact. He's always touching me on the arm, shoulder, and stuff. Okay, I was kind of on board with him until this point. I said it was fine and laughed it off like I do with all other comments. Don't do that because I don't want to make him feel bad and it's just so awkward. Don't do that. Hey, tell him how you feel. Say, don't touch me. 
cocksucker. That's all you got to say. I'm also really bad at confronting people. Get better. Say cocksucker. It works. I promise. I'm not close with this guy at all. And we hardly interacted before he started saying this stuff. After the hug, I told another employee from the hospital what happened. And she thought it was really weird and inappropriate, especially how the guy follows me to the secluded side of the ER where I usually sit before he does this stuff. He doesn't need to be on that side for any work he does. Yeah. Getting worse, she asked if I wanted her to file an anonymous report, but I said no because I didn't want to cause drama. The more I think about it, though, the more uncomfortable I am with his actions. But I'm not sure if I'm just overreacting because I have a history of sexual abuse. Girl, how are you not snapping the fuck off? Now, granted, I shouldn't blame you for any of that or any of this shit happening. I shouldn't be like, Summer Rainer, what the fuck? Why don't you do this? Because, hey, not your problem. This is literally... This guy, the past few days since the hug, I've had worse trauma flashbacks than I've had in a really long time. I'm sure I can't really speak on that. Never had those experiences, but I thought it would be best to say something to him directly. But when he comes around and touches me, I freeze up and just try to change this up. Yeah, okay. So your fight or flight response is getting triggered. I don't know if I'll be strong enough to say something to his face because when he's around, I feel myself going into trauma mode. Like it was when I was a kid being abused. Oh, wow. It's from childhood. All right. You know what, Summer Rainer? We can take this one seriously. Listen up, babe. So your fight or flight response is getting activated. The other response that's not added to the actual phrasing of fight or flight is freeze. And that's what your trauma response is causing you to do. Um, Obviously, if you don't feel yourself uh, capable of confronting him because there has to be a confrontation because all the th- all this is going to do every interaction that you have where he breaks the physical barrier or he says something inappropriate that's not confronted is wiring his brain to l- and telling him that oh it's okay I'm not doing anything too bad she would say something if it was bad and the more that this kind of gets accepted by him the further he's going to push it until a mistake is made what if he actually makes a move on you right what if he actually and i'm not saying like a hug i'm saying like what if he goes in and you freeze up and his stupid fucking male brain regardless i don't i don't necessarily see him as predatory i just see him as a basic ass fucking dude that can't read physical cues or he could be a fucking predator. No, if he was, I feel like if he was a predator, he just sounds like a fucking guy who finds you attracted, who attractive, who doesn't have fucking boundaries, which I guess could turn into a predator because if it's the thing where he does make a move, but then you freeze up and he just continues on, you could have uh, not just trauma from your past experience, but a whole new experience. So something has to be confronted a uh, fucking now. I feel like I should actually write on the, I'll, I'll read the responses on this and see if it's already been responded to properly. But the confrontation needs to happen now. So it, you need to file the report because it doesn't matter what actually happened. What matters is how you're feeling because of the stuff that is happening. So regardless of the intensity of the action, if you file something and you say something about it, you're not going to have to say something much worse later. Ask for forgiveness, not permission. Does that make sense? It's so much better to file something. Get into a little bit of fucking drama, a little bit of a scuff up. Maybe he gets pissed off at you and never talks to you again. How fucking great would that be? How great would that be? You just have a bad reputation with this one guy that was breaking physical contact with you when you didn't want it? 
what's the what's the negative outcome of this so yeah cut this motherfucker off also he knows you're married as a married guy what do i want to do what do i want to do i want to put him in a fucking box so yeah you got to say something 100 percent, say something um don't worry after uh i finish recording this episode actually we'll just do it together let's scroll down to the actual replies of people and see if there's been a good one. If it really bothers you, then definitely let them file the report. It sounds very creepy. The whole time I was thinking, like, what if he tries something a little more extreme? Yeah, that's really what the road he's leading down. At least you told someone else about it and she agreed. I don't know what I'd do, to be honest. Okay, but, okay. Oh, Summer Rainer responded to that person's comment. Thank you. I would like to avoid him, but it's hard when he follows me. I might try asking another employee to stay near me when he's working so that I'm not alone with him and see if he still follows him or acts weird. Brian says, I think you enabled him when you just shrugged it off when he was touching you. Yeah, okay, so that's kind of blaming her for it. It's not a blame on her. She just didn't know what to do in the situation. It's this fucking cocksucker. So... Summer Rainer, if you're not able to confront him verbally yourself, fire the report. And that's it. All right. Babe, that was unlucky episode 13. And I had fun. And I always have fun because it's fun with you, babe. Babe, listen, all this is is you turning on some sound and us having a conversation. That's what this podcast is. This week, I tried to tell my wife about a podcast that I listen to that's like a comedy podcast. And she was like, I don't really like podcasts where it's just like people talking. And I was like, well, that's what a podcast is. And she's like, no, like I like killer podcasts or like podcasts that are teaching you something. And I said, oh, you sh- you 100% should not listen to my podcast <laughs> because it's just a conversation. This is, a, this is an hour or so to just kind of unfucking wind and enjoy a little bit of escapism. That's what this is. Because the world can suck ass. And people can be a huge bummer. And Cheer Up Babe is about not being a bummer. And making maybe I made you exhale out of your nose a few times. Gave you a little, right? I hope that you did that a few times. Maybe you laughed. Maybe you did an audible laugh. If you did an audible laugh, just know that the thought of that made my fucking week. Okay? I hope you guys genuinely have a great week. Check out the sponsors there in the show notes if you want to support the podcast. Also, if you want to support the podcast, leave a review. Follow the Instagram, babe. Cheer up, babe, podcast on Instagram. I'll post a few posts. If you want to get, if you want a little piece of advice column, uh, you could send a message to the Cheer Up, Babe podcast Instagram. I don't check it every single day, but I will check it before every episode, that kind of stuff, if you want. Um... But yeah, tell a friend. Tell a friend. We're starting this week off right. You started it off with the episode. And if you're listening to this episode later in the week, you're ending the week right. Regardless of when you listen to this podcast, you did it at the right time because you're, listen, Cub, you're right. Let's recap just a little quick, little quick, little tidbit recap. Find your anchor this week. If shit's been slipping, remind yourself of something that reminds you of who you are. And bring all the boats in your life up. If someone leaves their fucking laundry in a washer for over a minute and a half, that's your laundry now? 
You can take it into your fucking apartment if you want, or you can just put it on the dryer. I don't care what you do, but don't wait an hour because people aren't exempt from common courtesy because it's a pandemic. You should be harder on people. Now go ahead and take your hoodie off. I know it's probably boiling hot, but it's one of the necessities of listening to this podcast. Don't be like Articuno and climb in the ceiling. Okay. And also, if there's a little bit of smoke coming out of a locker, don't run a mile and a half. Don't pull six laps. This isn't NASCAR. All right? So go out there. Have a great week. Don't be a bummer. And cheer up, babe.